So Money Episode 314, Bo Henderson. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome back to So Money, everyone. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Voice is feeling a lot better. And this is an interview that I had actually scheduled to record earlier in the week, but I had lost my voice completely. So our guest today was very flexible with the schedule. Thank you. And we made it happen. The show went on. Today's guest wears many hats. He's a certified financial advisor, syndicated radio host of The Rich Life, and best-selling author of the book, The Rich Life, 10 Investments for True Wealth. Bo Henderson writes and speaks globally on the topic of creating financial success and living a fulfilled life. And he's helped over 3,000 families discover their true relationship with money. He's given them the tools to live a healthy, wealthy, and fulfilled life. And he gives us some of those tools on this episode. We talk about raising your financial IQ and the one discipline that he thinks guarantees success. Here is Bo Henderson. Bo Henderson, welcome to So Money. Excited to have you on the show. Congratulations on all the success of the Rich Life uh, podcast, book. Looking forward to diving into all of that with you. Welcome to So Money. Hey, Farnoosh, I'm excited. I've been looking forward to being on So Money for a while now. We've had some opportunities to connect. I I guess uh, we know some mutual friends, acquaintances, Tom Corley, who's been on this show, and Adrian Dorson, who's been on the show, both all of them know us, so it's it was only a matter of time until we connected. That's right. Tell me a little bit about uh, The Rich Life. This is something that you've been working on aggressively and passionately for a while now. It's a multiple of things. You know, it's your financial, uh, it's your syndicated radio show. Uh, it's the also, it carries the title of your uh, best-selling book. Uh, tell me a little bit about The Rich Life concept. Everybody wants The Rich Life. What is it in your terms? It's almost, uh, Farnoosh, it's almost a play on words in that I've been in the role of financial advisor for 15 years now, running a firm in Atlanta. And about seven years into the business, I was burning out. I was almost tired of that business because to be successful and to continue to take it to another level, I was having to run systems and meetings and I was missing out on that initial core connection and relationship with a client. I wanted, and the longer, the more clients I worked with, something I noticed, it kind of broke my heart, is so many people out there today, they're just kind of sleepwalking through lives in the role as a, a mother, a student, a father, an employee, et cetera, et cetera. They're so caught up in that role that they're just kind of living through the week to get to the weekend or maybe through life to get to retirement, whatever that is. And what became crystal clear to me is maybe... I should start spending the rest of my career moving forward is helping people reunite to what it is that lights them up, what it is that makes their life meaningful. And then let's use your assets and resources to start creating and moving towards that. And that's where it started. And then it just kind of snowballed from there. So it's really peeling back those layers. And I find what you're saying is totally true in my work too. I refer to those folks as money zombies. (laughs) That's right. You know, you're just walking through life, going through the motions, but not really giving your money meaning and stepping into your financial life and owning it. So what do you find is often the best strategy that you 
implement for your, help your clients implement to get them over that hump, to get them to wake up and snap out of it? Usually it's a, it's a mind shifting conversation that, that revolves around clarity and it's just this clarity around, okay, let's put away your financial statements for just a minute and let's have a conversation and let's get crystal clear. And sometimes this is the hard part. Let's get real honest about where you are now because most people aren't necessarily where they want to be right now. So, but let's be real honest with that. Let's don't play the ostrich with putting your head in the sand technique and hope everything turns out all right. Where are you now, now financially? Where are you now in your life? Okay. Um, for some people, just getting clear on that, Farnoosh, is so uh, it, it, it's so relieving just to be honest and see where you really stand. And then the second piece is let's get crystal clear on where it is you want to go, because if we can do those two things that uh, most people most people don't ever do that. I, we did we did a little research. We ran a thousand clients through and one out of 20 clients actually knew their numbers. They knew what was coming in and what was going out. So if you actually have clarity around your situation, then we can come up with a plan to move towards that. So that's really where most, whether it's coaching, whether it's financial planning, whatever it is we do, it's usually a conversation around, let's just be real. You got to be real to live rich. That's kind of a a catchphrase that's come up on the radio, but uh, let's get crystal clear. And then we can actually create a plan to move towards something. Differences between men and women, have you noticed, uh, as far as getting to that clarity? I'm curious, what sort of gender differences you have come across in your work when it you're comes lo- to money? You're going to love this. Women women are smarter. They get it a lot yes. quicker. There you go. I said it. I said it. I'm a- <laughs> High five. So yeah, 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 exactly. So, so women get this message a little more. Guys, it takes a little more peeling back the layers to realize and say, you know what? When, when I break, when I really get down to it, it is those memories with my right, with my kids one day that's going to be meaningful. It is making sure that um, in climbing the corporate ladder, I don't lose my family in the process. When they're really honest, the guys get it, but the women they they just seem to be a little more intuitive and, and tap into that cl- uh, quicker. That uh, money money is a tool to live life. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, uh, that's encouraging. Your book, The Rich Life, 10 Investments for True Wealth, there are a lot of gems in this book. One of the things that I would love for you to share, because it's such a tease, you talk about the one discipline that guarantees success. Can you can you tell me what that is? <laughs> can I can I implement that relatively A- soon? <laughs> absolutely. And here's the thing about this discipline is that it works with money. It works with our physical health. It works with our relationships. And uh, I learned this from a master teacher uh, a dozen years ago. And it's this concept of hard easy. And the, the idea, it sounds simple, but, but nobody really does it hardly anymore. Is to when you do the hard thing now, you can have the easier things in the future. And unfortunately, our society is more wired to do to seek out the easy thing now and it ensures the rest of our lives hard in the future. And you think about that. If we spend our money now, it's going to be hard on us later. If well, we save now, it'll be easier later. Kind of, you can see how it parallel. Yes. Well, I, we often give the advice, you know, address the low hanging fruit first, because maybe that gives you the motivation to then tackle the bigger, the bigger things in your life, the bigger issues. But you're saying you need to do it the reverse. That's right. That's right. Now, if think about the best example, I think that makes this clear is think about physical health. I could go to the gym. I could I could eat right, and and that there's a there's a there's a price to that. It's not pleasant. I have to get up early and all that. But if I don't pay that price, that hard thing now, there's going to be a bigger cost in the future, with failed health, you know, mm-hmm. heart attacks, et cetera, et cetera. Same thing with money. If we don't do the things now, build the foundation now, we're just kind of delaying the inevitable, and we're going to make it harder on ourselves later. What's your money mantra? 
your one financial philosophy that you find yourself repeating on your show to your clients and to yourself? The money mantra would have to be, so we've been kind of hitting around it. I see people give so much energy to money because it only comes up in their lives and negative conversations and negative uh, situations is that money is simply, money is only a tool to live well if we use it right. I thought you had a little bit more to say, but I love it. I love no, it. No, no. <laughs> succinct. I like succinct. it. No, it, no money I is asked for succinct. Tool. You gave right. it to me. I like that. It's a tool. And that last part, uh, if you know what you want, that's the hard, hard part sometimes, but the fun part too, because it doesn't really have to do with money. It really has to do with personal, personal desires. Right. You know, money, we want money. And I think that's where, where we mess up sometimes. We think, well, I mean, we're sold this from the times we're very young. Um, that, that money will equal happiness money. If we have enough stuff, we'll be happy. But if we really think about why we want money and we really, we dig a little deeper and that's usually all this involves is just digging a little deeper. Um, if if we, if we take that next step is typically what we believe money will do for us. Do we think it's going to find us a a happier relationship? Do we think it's going to buy us this, this car that's going to magically make us happy and, and people love us. What is it we think money's going to do for us? And I think people give it this power that it doesn't necessarily have. When you were a child, Bo, tell us a little bit about your environment and how money played a role in your upbringing. And maybe if there was a memory that really sticks out that you, we talked earlier about, you know, how as, as children during our formative years and money is really a powerful uh, concept. It can be. So for you, what, what was your greatest money memory? I do remember uh, early, early in life, stress and tension in my house with my parents fighting about money. And, and it kind of transcended to me because it took me a long time to realize that uh, money wasn't this thing that only came up in bad situations and bad scenarios. But I actually have a better, a better story um, about a, a different, a positive story too. If I can add a second real quick, it's uh, my mom will tell me and laugh today that people will ask, when did I make the shift to become an entrepreneur and run these businesses? And, um, and, and learn the power of money and compound interest and building teams. But apparently, uh, mom got a call from second grade in elementary school and the principal called because I was actually taking powdered Gatorade to elementary school and selling it by the scoop out on the playground. (laughs) Were you pouring it into their palms or did you actually have... No, we had, we had cups. Yeah, we had cups. We could give them a scoop. Yeah, Yeah, there you go. (laughs) And what was your profit margin? Oh, it was, it was amazing. I think, I think because I didn't even pay for the powdered Gatorade. So it was probably a thousand percent. A thousand percent. What did you do with the money? Well, I would save it for a while because it's easy when you're a kid and you don't have expenses. You just mm-hmm. save your money and, and only spend money that, that hopefully parents or grandparents might help you with. So I, I saved a lot when I was a kid. It was when I grew up mm-hmm. and had expenses that I kind of had to relearn that, that habit. Ah, so relearning the habit. So maybe this transitions us well into this question. What would you say is your biggest money mistake, failure? What happened and what did you learn? Oh, that's a good one. Let me let me get in the right moment for this because this, this goes back. Now, really, the, the biggest mistake I made was getting outside of my lane of expertise. And this was after a few years into um, the financial planning profession. Things were going good. The business was growing. And I had the bright idea. I'm doing so good with that. Why don't I partner with this guy that approached me and develop a real estate subdivision? And okay, well, two things already are jumping out as red flags: (laughs) going to business with your friend, and then real estate, which can be which can have its pros and cons. Yeah, and 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 
keep in mind, I was 23, 24 at the time too. So, so I knew everything, right? Uh-huh, I, I didn't have enough life to, to realize <laughs> um, what I needed to learn yet. So, so went into that deal. Um, the partner um, skipped town and we found out this was just before 2007, 2008, when the prices of materials went up, the real estate market went down. And through that, literally it took me almost five years to, to pay and, and work through all the debt that accumulated from that subdivision going under. And what it did for me, the lesson it taught me was um, understanding who you're partnered with, for one, that first red flag we saw. But the other was I understand stood risk in a new way that made me a better investor, a better coach, and a better advisor. Because until that point in my life, really, I had no really bad risk story or scenario I'd felt personally. So when I saw that happen in my own life, it actually made me better about helping people make sure they're protecting us the things that can happen, not just what you hope will happen. Mm. Did it impact your impression of working with friends and real estate, not together, but separately? It, it did impact my impression on being very careful and cautious on who you partner with. And in business, you have to take extra levels of precaution beyond a handshake and, and somebody's word. You know, that, that was the big lesson there. Uh, real estate, it, it taught real estate, I still believe and still use as a tool in the overall picture, but it also taught me how, um, how big of a trap it can be if it's not used right. Mm-hmm. Yes. And get being house rich, cash poor, as the saying goes. Right. Exactly. All right. Let's flip it and talk success, Bo. What's your so money moment? I ask guests on the show to share their proudest financial moment. Take us there, capture it for us. Cause we want to celebrate it again. The, the biggest financial moment, let's see. This past year, our firm has grown. It was 13 years, just me and an assistant. Now there's nine of us. Wow. Uh, we, we started growing. So, so we had a record year um, revenue wise, which was a big moment. But what I'm, what I'm most excited about is as the firm grows, it's, it's allowed me time to go back and uh, deliver financial literacy to middle and high school kids. And we, we, we got in front of over 2000 kids this year. And that's something I'm partnering with, with Tom Corley, by the way, we're going to, we're going to make it a mission to get in front of a million kids by the time we're done with that mission. Excellent. And, and many listeners know Tom Corley was a guest on So Money. He is an expert on rich habits and he has, his work has gone, can I say viral? Absolutely. <laughs> it's trending for sure. And I, I remember working with him long ago uh, for a Yahoo piece, which um, I like to say was very helpful in his um continual continuation of his work and Dave Ramsey caught it. And well, needless to say, the rest is history. So I'm happy that the two of you have connected. It's going to be very powerful and fun. You two are a fun, a little fun group. Um, do you, I, mean, I can see uh, how that could be very entertaining for young kids. Oh yeah. It's fun. And that, you know, that's what I realized. I like to speak and in, in, in public and everything. I realized if I could hold the attention of a high school, a 17 year old kid for, for 45 minutes, mm-hmm. I can probably speak to just about anybody. You could so change I, the I, world. <laughs> <laughs> I look at it as a challenge in a way, but you know, the, the deal with that financial literacy, what I realized too, Farnoosh is uh, if I look back 30 years from now and we've had best selling books, the podcast, radio show, all that's done great. That's, that's cool stuff. Those were cool goals we accomplished. But if we look back and we're able to say, we impacted or, or delivered that financial literacy to a million kids. I know some lives were changed and it's going to last beyond us. And that's, that's what excites me about that part. Quite the legacy. Hey, Bo, tell me about a habit that you have, a financial habit that you practice with consciousness and with regularity that helps you with, with your financial health. 
it is just, I, I track everything. I, at the end of the day, I reconcile every, every receipt, every, um, and I still do it old school. I still do it on paper because there's something about, um, kind of touching it that makes it real and makes it sink into my brain. So it's just, I, I log and track everything. And, and the more I know, um, what's coming in and what's going out, the more I can control what goes towards my goals and the things I'm trying to accomplish. Now you have your personal budget and then you have your business expenses. How do you reconcile those two? I find that with entrepreneurs, and I speak personally to this, it's hard to compartmentalize in some ways. Like this is the money that's going to be just for my business. And then this is the money for my family and our personal expenses. And when you say you track everything, do you have any help uh, with the tracking? Because I can only imagine how how many expenses pile up at, at at some points because of the fact that you have a business as well. Yeah. And you know, that's been, this is a bad word, but co-mingling was a hard thing not to do um, all the years that it was just me and maybe an assistant. But when this past year, when we added other advisors, um, we had to start breaking that out. So the one way um, our, our office manager does take all the office expenses, the only way I figured out to keep it completely separate is to literally have the company pay me an amount to my personal account that's my spending money, this separate, you know, so basically I pay myself a salary. Right, which I do as well. Oh yeah, that definitely helps a lot because now you're like, okay, this is this is uh, tangible. Right. <laughs> I'm not just guessing anymore. We're going to do some, this is fun for the end of the show. I, I It's called So Many Fill in the Blanks. <laughs> do you do anything on your show that's kind of a, a lighter way to end the show that's a, a round robin of sorts? Yeah, we'll do kind of a little bit of a rapid fire, some fun yeah. questions. Okay, well, so here's my version. Okay. If I won the lottery tomorrow, the first thing I would do is? Wow. The first thing, I, you know, I, I, my mind was going to find something noble. I would take about a, a, a six-week vacation, I believe. I've been pushing <laughs> hard for about six yeah. years. I think maybe Costa Rica for, for about oh, a month and a half. Wow. You could definitely, like definitely do a lot of good time in Costa Rica. I believe it's the only country that has all of the ecospheres. Uh, so you got you, volcanoes and beaches and rainforests and just deserts <laughs> like all on in one country. It's pretty fascinating. And uh, I would go, I've gone once, but it was not enough. So I can see no, six weeks being a good time. That's definitely on my list. Uh, Costa Rica has been for a while. The one thing I spend on that makes my life easier or better is. Good help. Um, and that's, that's another learned lesson. Have, having the right person in the office manager role, having the right team people, as far as accountants, attorneys, um, they save a lot of money and keep me from having to do it all anyway. Now, when you, spend a lot of money. Like if there's one item that you just, you splurge on, but it's your splurge, you love it. You wouldn't have it any other way. Maybe others would look at that and go, wow, that's so frivolous. But for you, it's, it is part of what makes you happy. If we're allowed to say that, what's your biggest splurge? (laughs) I've got two uh, and I'll share them real quick. One's coffee. I just, I have a hard time giving that up. I've given up about going from two to three a day to one to two, which has helped. But the other, this is kind of a double-edged sword. The other is education. I spend so much money learning because I love to learn and then go on the radio show and share what I'm learning. But if I'm not careful, I'll pull away from work and, and that budget can run up pretty quick. So what kind of education, like online courses, books? Yes, re- reading, um, reading um, audible books at the gym, doing courses, going to events, um, to network, uh, learning, learning about, you know, behavioral finance is what actually fascinates me. So, so I'm really big into those topics about why we do what we do when it comes Uh, to money. Me too. I could go, I, I could spend a lot of time on that. I think that's fascinating. The psychology behind money. 
Yeah, yeah, that, and that that'll be another show. But that's that's it is. It's mm-hmm. that, that the money's you know the money's pretty much math. That's not really hard. It's it's why we do what we do, and and sometimes mess it up, and sometimes get it right. Yes. Okay. When I was growing up, the one thing I wish I learned about money is. When I was growing up, when I was younger, I wish I understood compound interest. When I was when I was selling that powdered Gatorade, I would have <laughs> gone ahead and invested that in a um, S and P five hundred fund for a while. Well, so how would you actually explain that to a seven or eight year old? I feel as though while it's a very simple concept as adults to comprehend and get excited over, for a seven or eight year old, how do you drive that power home to to show how powerful compound interest can be? Do you do a game where you're like, well, for every penny you save, I'll give you two pennies just i mean that's an exaggerated compound interest but it's 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 illustrating what it can potentially do you know i think yeah i think there's creative ways to do that to say hey we could take this $5 today and go buy this or at the end of the year you could get this bike and just show that by waiting mm-hmm. um it's with kids what i find farnoosh is it's more conceptual if if i can just get a kid to learn okay if i make $10 if i spend 7 and do do save and maybe give some of the rest, make, have a formula for myself. And a lot of that comes into, into also having parents involved because it goes a long way when a parent is actively involved in looking for teachable moments when it comes to money and their kids. When I donate, I like to give to blank because. I like to give to, um, I I give to a lot of local, I'll I'll do local ministries and and local things in town, whether it's, it's feeding, feeding people, whether it's donating back to getting the, um, financial literacy into our, to our local school systems and, and maybe good or bad. I kind of like to see the, the impact somewhat of, of what we're giving to and kind of having an idea of that it's actually going to where we think it's going. And last but not least, I'm Bo Henderson. I'm so money. (laughs) I'm so money because. I am so money because I believe you can have success with both money and life. Thank you so much, Bo. That went fast, but uh, jam packed. Thank you so much for bringing it to this to this conversation and to this episode. Oh, had a blast. Tell us uh, what's next for you. We're coming into a, we're closing in on the year. 2016 is around the corner. What what sort of things do you have on tap in the new year that well, we can we look ha- out for? Sure. We're still kind of in hard push for the, the Rich Life book. And, and I'm happy to say since July, I believe we, we've crossed over 20,000 copies sold. So, so really having Excellent. a good, good push with that. And um, anybody wants to check that out, richlifebook.com. We have that out there. And then going into next year, I'm gearing up for another book and an event next fall. And other than that, a lot of radio shows and a lot of uh, helping clients along the way. Fantastic. Well, hey, cheers to that. We'll look forward to all of those uh, great events and uh, your name out there more and more in the new year. We'll be uh, keeping an eye out for you. And uh, Merry merry Holidays. Merry, Merry. Hey, Farnoosh. Thanks. I had a blast. Thanks so much to my guest, Bo Henderson. If you'd like to learn more about him, the website is richlifeadvisors.com. He's also on Twitter at richlifeadvisor. Head over to somoneypodcast.com where you can grab the transcript, the audio, and the comments for this episode and all previous episodes. And while you're there, click on Ask Farnoosh. Send me your questions for the Friday episodes. Looking forward to hearing from you. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. Gosh, I love having my voice back. It's great. Lots to be thankful for this year. Hope your day is so money. 